0: unity and love, the unity of the spirit, the oneness of the spirit. So the Lord has for me to teach uh, extensively on the Holy Spirit and his work and his influence and the power of the Holy Spirit working in man. Because when we think about this, we must understand that Jesus, can, Jesus is coming, ushered in the grace, the, the, the measure of grace that would allow for salvation to come to all men. The truth of the matter is that Jesus' is coming was, prob- was, was the, after creation, it was the greatest event of all time, because it was God actually allowing for himself to come among men that he had not done since the Garden of Eden. When you read the, garden, the, the account of creation in the beginning, you find that, that, that the word says that God was literally walking in the Garden of Eden, and he was walking in the, in the cool of the evening looking for Adam. So God had not walked on earth until Jesus came. Well, I hope you get this. So, so, so in creation, God created the heavens and the earth. He established a garden of Eden. He established a place where he might have communion with man, and then he then would walk on the earth among men. But once men separated themselves through sin, once Adam and Eve disobeyed God, understand this, we have categorized sin, but here's what sin is at its most, most basic definition. It is disobedience to God. When we disobey God, when man disobeyed God, it separated man from God because now man's sinful nature had come forth and God cannot associate himself with sin. So then God then separated himself from man. After separating himself from man, he then determined after centuries, he said, listen, I still want to go back to what I had. That's why Jesus said, then this is the new covenant. The covenant that was established when God breathed the breath of life into Adam, when God folded, molded Adam with his own hands and then breathed the breath into him, there was a covenant that God had with Adam. But that covenant was broken. That's why Jesus said, this is the new covenant that's in my blood. Because what he was doing was he was establishing the opportunity for man and God to again have fellowship. So God walked again on earth through Jesus so from creation that would have been the greatest event since creation jesus is coming but after jesus is coming he said i gotta go to prepare a place and i need to leave he said but i won't leave you by yourself i will send another a comforter the holy spirit and the one translation said the helper my god because i need some help anybody need help Anybody here say, Lord, I, I'm glad you're helping me because if I was on my own, for when I'm on my own, I'm a mess. But he says, I will send you another helper, the Holy Spirit. And thus, it brings us to this point, endeavoring to keep the unity of the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit. How do we have unity? Because the Holy Spirit helps us to have unity. So we must endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the, watch this, in the bond of peace. Because we must understand that, that, that the nature of God is not confrontation. Jesus was not confrontational. But his gospel was conf- confronting See, Jesus never, he was a meek man. He just walked around, he didn't fight, he didn't fuss, he didn't argue. But when he would say something, it would stir conflict in them. And then they wanted to be conflicted because they were conflicted internally. They came to be in combat with him. But he says, listen, I ain't come to fight. Even when Peter got mad and said, Lord, you want us to get him? Cut off the ear of the servant? He said, look, if you live by the sword, you die by it. He said, ain't what I'm here for. I'm not here to die by the sword because I came to die, but not that way. So the truth of the matter is, in order for us to have unity, we must have the Holy Spirit. And I thank God for the Holy Spirit coming among us bringing unity. So I want to continue to teach on the Holy Spirit, amen? Don't push me in the back. We'll get to spiritual gifts and all that stuff, but that, that's, that's, not, that's not today. That's not now. I, got, I need to lay the foundation. Because here's what happens when you start dealing with the Holy Spirit. Because we're dealing with the spirit of Antichrist, what happens is, Satan, when you start talking a lot about the Holy Spirit, he begins to implant evil spirits to confuse things. One of the greatest moves of the Holy Spirit um, of the 19th century was the, the Azusa Street. Revival where the Holy Spirit was poured out and people were coming from all over the world. Do you know what stopped that revival? Witchcraft. People started introducing stuff that had nothing to do with God, started doing odd and weird things. And so then it became what started out as this great grace or this great blessing became this thing that people say, oh man, that stuff is, we don't know what they're doing. Witchcraft is what stopped it. So I, I wanna make sure that I teach you, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, I wanna teach you so you have knowledge. Because after you have understanding, then if you choose to be ignorant, Paul, Paul has a category for it. he says, those who desire to be ignorant, let them stay ignorant. So that's why I'm telling you, I, I'm teaching you on the Holy Spirit, and I hope you're not thinking that God is raising you up to go be a, a, a Holy Spirit crusader. So everybody you know, they even mentioned the Holy Spirit, you're going to go try to correct them. No, he don't need any correction. He don't need any, any Crusaders. He wants you to walk in truth, walk in knowledge, understand that. Because what he says, with all thy getting, get what? With all thy getting, get an understanding. When you have an understanding, now you can help somebody who's looking for, 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 for help, but he will not need you to be a Crusader. Go on sitting in churches you all folded with your Bible under your shoulder, yeah. disrupting the service. Yeah. Brother Pastor, yeah. you know, you said this, but John chapter, yeah. uh-huh. because here's what the word says. Let all things be done decently and in order. You know, ain't no order, and you stand up in no service with your Bible pointing your finger. <laughs> you wouldn't do that, I know. And I just But I want to make sure we have a good understanding. So, so we going to lay the foundation understanding, because the truth of the matter is, what God is expecting for all believers is that they be filled with the Spirit. Paul says, "Be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the spirit,. Every, every, every expect, because what he's talking about is the influence of the power of God in you. So when you're full of the spirit, he has. He ha, He can. He can influence every area of your life. Oftentimes, we are. We we may be. We may have accepted Christ and been born again, but we're not full of the Spirit. Why? Because we fill We fill ourselves up with everything else. We fill ourselves up with Wayne and Snoop and Kim. Faith. One-namers. You already know what I'm talking about. I mean, I just said, I'm, it can be anybody. But we fill ourselves up with all kinds of things. We fill ourselves up with spirits. Let me tell you this. The Word of God is very clear about strong drink and alcohol. And the truth of the matter is, let me, let me challenge you with this. If the Holy Spirit is given to be the great influence in our life. And one of the greatest things that we're called to do is have our witness, the witness of who we are, that, we, that the world knows that we are born again. How can you be fully responsible for your witness when you've been, because many times most of the things you said or did, you don't really recall saying them. So how do you know you let your light shine while you were? How do you know you let your light shine after you got done? Because you're responsible. Here's what Jesus says. Let your light shine before men. Here's why he said that. That they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Here's what i come to understand. Anytime a person is under the influence, some things change. You ever had to meet a guy that don't say much? A couple beers later, he's... I was just thinking. You are always coming down on or the person who been passing it, they went through the crowd several times? Yeah, what's up? Everything is everything. I mean, you know, to each his own. Do what you do, I do what I do. And we all will be all right. Now, how can I fully witness and represent Christ under any other influence because if that were the case, Jesus wouldn't have just given us the Holy Spirit, he would have given us some other influences. But the only thing he gave to influence the believer is the Holy Spirit. So we have to question and ask God. Because ultimately, it is the power of God at work in us, watch this, both the will and to do of his good pleasure. See, when you give your life to Jesus, that's when we, we, we make terms, we make statements like that, but mo- most times we don't fully understand that. We're going to do, we're going to help you with that because we're going to develop a culture here. One of the things the Lord gave me, so I know you've been waiting to hear what is, what is the Lord saying to the pastor over these three months. What he gave me was discipleship. That we have a culture of making disciples who make disciples. That from the front to the back, everybody here feels a sense of responsibility to, to, to disciple somebody. One, to first and foremost make sure they, they've been discipled, because here's the thing many of us, a great number of us, have, have come forward, accepted Christ, but never became disciples because the word disciple, by definition, is one who follows Christ. So the reality is, I can become positional, I'm sorry, I can can become titled Christian, but Christianity is not titles, it's position. I can become titled as a Christian by joining a church. There's an old song, and I'm, I'm gonna give you a little verse of it, here's what it says. If you think you're a Christian by joining the church, you're just fooling yourself. If you think you're a Christian by joining the church, you're just fooling yourself. If you think serving the Lord is singing in the choir and serving on the board, stop fooling yourself, you must be born again. I heard that song one time on a Thursday night at a little church over on the east side as a kid. And what drew my attention was, it was like three little guys, they were, up there and they, they were harmonized, they had a little thing going. So that's what drew me in, but the words always stay with me. Because the truth of the matter is I can become titled Christian by joining a church. But true Christianity is a person who's following Christ. Because there are things that we say and do that Jesus very clearly told us not to do. And as Christians, there those we do. Here, let me give you one. Jesus says in Matthew chapter, four, chapter 6, do not swear. He said, don't swear by your head because you can't add one hair to it. Don't swear by heaven because you can't deal with that. He says, let your yea be yea and let your nay be nay. But it's nothing for for one of us to say, I swear, I swear to God. That is not Christian. Jesus said, don't do it. So a follower of Christ doesn't swear. Because ultimately, watch this, that's what Jesus gave us as our guides of how to to conduct ourselves. I swear, oh God. I swear on my mama grave, I swear, I swear on all I love. That's just, just contradictory, I mean that's, that's just in stark contrast to following Jesus. And yet there are Christians, titled Christians, that say hey, I swear. He says let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Here's the reality. If you are a person of your word, you don't have to add nothing to it. You notice that the people that always swear on everything is the one because you know they didn't lie before. That's why they, they put putting, an they, they putting extra on it because they know you don't believe them. <laughs> they know, Miss they know they ain't they, they, they got no good reputation, so they're going to swear on everything. I'm going to swear on all I got. And they got to get, get, get worse and worse. I swear on my grave. I swear on my first child. They got to just keep going. Why? Because they haven't had a reputation of truth. But if you have a reputation of truth, you say yes or no, people believe what you say because you're a person of your word. Amen? Amen. Let's get into the word today. Turn to John chapter 16, verse 7. John chapter 16, verse 7. God bless you guys. I love you. So here's what, the, just, just because you, you already know this, uh, many of you do, but if you don't know this, I, wanna, I always wanna reiterate this. So, so the Gospel, John's Gospel chapters 14, 15, 16, are all one sitting that Jesus, is, this, is, this is right, this is the, the Last Supper, this is his last time, intimate time with the disciples before he goes to the cross. And so he's giving these, them these instructions. So right here, he's trying to comfort them because in chapter 14, something he tells them, he says, listen, I'm getting ready to go away. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, my Father's house and many mansions. If were not so, I would have told you. So he's telling them, he said, I'm getting ready to go, but I'm going to prepare this place for you and I'm coming again. Now the reality is, he's trying to comfort them because the disciples had spent three and a half years, these are young men, understand this, these are young men, uh, the oldest one of the oldest ones was was peter because we know he had a wife and a and a mother-in-law but the majority of these young men are young men uh some of them were even teenagers late mid to late teens we know that because uh the the the, the, the that uh the rabbinical history says that 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 when someone would call uh when they would uh, uh, call someone rabbi that person always usually was younger than that person so jesus when he would have Called them to follow him. He would have been he would have been thirty. And so we know that all of them were under thirty because they called him Rabbi and they were following his teaching. That was so. So what would happen is once a young man, and we know that they they could be young as as teenagers because young men after they were uh, young Jewish men after their bar mitzvah, which happens at the age of thirteen, after their bar mitzvah, then they then if they if they're choosing, they're trying to determine what direction they're going to go in, and those who want to then pursue a teacher, they would find someone that they would look to to teach them, and that's what Jesus did. So these men, they were looking for somebody. We know Matthew may have been a little older because he had he uh, one of the older ones because he also had a job working as a tax collector. But the rest of them, we know, were younger because you can look at the, at their history, how they interacted with each other. James and John, we know, uh, they, they they wanted to, to to have the they they didn't feel like they had a good spot in the group, so they went and got their mother. He said, Mom, go talk to Jesus for her. So the, mama, the mother came and said, Hey, Jesus, my boys, they, they want to know that when you come into your kingdom, who's going to sit on your right hand and who's going to be on your left? Because they're figuring, hey, we, we're younger in the group. We, we really don't have a chance. So they want their mother to help them out. That sound like a teenager to you? Mom, what am I supposed to do? I'm following Jesus. What i am I supposed to do? So we understand it. So Jesus now is telling these men, these 12 men, these 12 men that he's been working with, teaching and instructing and, and, and showing them his power for three and a half years. He's now telling them, I'm getting ready to leave you And they, they, had, they had spent three years consistently with him because here's what they said. They said, Lord, we have left all to follow you. So they spent three and a half years following Jesus consistently every day. And now he said, I'm getting ready to leave you. So he's trying to comfort them so as we get to this 16th chapter, he, he's, he's revisiting the fact that the, he can still sense that they're kind of nervous about this, this idea of him leaving. And so he's already told them before then, I'm, I'm not gonna leave you as orphans, I'm gonna send another help of the Holy Spirit. But he's realizing they're still not quite getting, they're still not quite settled in this, so he comes back to this, and now here's what that brings us up to this. I, I'm skipping over that, uh, all of that, but I'm just kind of hopping to, over some things to get to this point. And here, verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He says, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him. And notice this word. He says, I am leaving, but it is to your advantage that I go. Because if I don't go, he won't come. Now I I said all the things that I said earlier about Jesus' coming being from creation the greatest event because I need you to understand if Jesus' coming was the greatest event in history since creation, then why is Jesus telling them that they're better off with him leaving them? And then why is he telling them they're better off with him leaving them? because what he's going to send them is going to be better for them. Listen to this. Here's some translations. The, that, that word advantage, that, that, that's here, this is the new King James. But listen to what the King, the King James says, that it is expedient that I go away. The King James says expedient, that, it, that, that hey, hey, this is, this, 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 is, this, this is the real deal. It is, it, here's what the, uh, uh, the, 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 the Living Bible says, it is best for you. The Living Bible says it's best for you that I go. The New International Version says it is good for you that I go. James helps us understand that because he says every good and every perfect gift comes down from above. So when he says, it is good, good means good. And then, excuse me, the complete edition, the, the complete book. Oh, the common English book of the Bible. I just had the acronym there. The Conglish, Cong, common English Bible says it is better for you. It's better for you, it's good for you, it's best for you, it's expedient for you. It's, 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 it's to your advantage that I go. But look what the Amplified Bible says. Here's this. You found a bullock. praise God, look here. Look at the the amplifier says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, wait a minute, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby will not come. I need you to, I need to work with that. See, because watch, go back to it, go back to it. The comforter. And I feel like all hope is gone. The one who comes to me and comforts me and settles me down and lets me know that all is well, he won't come. Wait a minute. The advocate won't come. The one who stands in the gap and advocates on my behalf that goes to the father and says, Lord, Father, I know that she didn't get it right, but she needs some more grace. I know that he didn't figure it out, but he needs some more mercy. I know that she disobeyed, but she needs some blood. The advocate won't come. Watch this now. The intercessor. Paul says, That the Lord, we don't know how to pray as we ought to, so the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. What that means is, you pray something, it's not according to the will of God. Matter of fact, it's actually contrary to the will of God. Matter of fact, it might be so bad that God wouldn't even want to bother with it. But the Holy Spirit takes what you said and says, okay, Father, here's what she's trying to say. Here's what she meant to say. And then look what it says, the counselor. See, when I don't know what to do, I'm sitting there, my mind's boggled. I got all these ideas running in on me. I got all kind of people talking in my ear, and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to believe. My counselor comes and says, wait a minute. What's going on with you, baby? You okay? All right now. Let me hear what you can, And I start to cry out to the Lord, and I, I start to pour my heart out before the Lord, and he says, oh, okay, here's what you need. You need a dose of this. Take two of these and, and call me in the morning. But wait a minute. The strengthener wouldn't come. Because here's what we were talking about the other night, Brother Jacob. He said, in my weakness, in my weakness, in your weakness, God's strength is made perfect. He said, his strength is at its best when you don't have any strength. He said, if I don't go, your strength in it will come. Your strength won't come to you if I don't go. And finally, I gotta deal with this standby. Standby helps me to understand, uh, uh, I I get my best understanding when I look at electronic devices. You have your electronic device you press the button, the power button. Don't miss that, the power button. When you press the power button, the power is still there when it's on standby. See, you press the power button, but the power's still there, but it's on standby. And what happens with standby, that when any activity happens, the power kicks back on. Woo! He said, "If I don't go, your standby power will not come to you." See, the power is always there, even though it looked like the power ain't there. It's just on standby. Because when I, when some activity starts going on, hell breaks loose in my life. My power is back. He said, so I'm telling you the truth that it's to your advantage that I go away because your helper won't come, your comforter won't come, your advocate won't come, your intercessor won't come, your counselor won't come, your strengthener won't come, your standby won't come. He says, so you need, you need what I got. He said, because if I go back, I will send him to you. In my father's name. But watch this. When I come to you, but I will go and I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to watch this now to be close in fellowship with you. The root word is fellow. My fellow Americans. Meaning somebody that has come alongside someone who's in common agreement common relationship someone who has commonality with you he said the holy spirit comes along and he becomes your fellow because you can't have fellowship unless you first are fellows and that fellowship doesn't happen until you believe on the lord jesus christ for the remission of your sins Accept him as Lord and the Savior of your life. Receive his spirit into your heart. Say, Father, I acknowledge my transgression. I acknowledge I'm a sinner and I need saving. Your word says the ways of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I accept that, I acknowledge that, and I accept and receive today your forgiveness for my sins. Lord Jesus, save me. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Make your abode with me fellowship so here's the thing there's a few advantages I need to share with you before I close today because I'm done almost I need to give this to you watch this now um, I love this I was looking at the, uh, the I need this last one uh, I didn't tell you about this one, but 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 the, but the complete Jewish Bible the, com- the complete Jewish Bible calls it says your your comforting counselor won't come wait a minute Counseling me and comforting me at the same time. Yeah. Giving me the advice I need but setting me at ease all the time. He yeah. 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 said, you're a comforting counselor. Keeps me company. when well, ain't nobody else around you. Come on. <laughs> he said, come on, you all right, Martin? you by yourself. It's going to be all right. You don't know what to do, but hey, I- I'm going to show you. So watch this now. There are some advantages that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, so when he says it's to your advantage, he had these things in mind. The first thing he had in mind is that the Holy Spirit is going to be your teacher. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 14, 26. John 14, 26. verse 26 he says but the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things he will teach you all things And bring back to your remembrance all the things that I've told you he said wait a minute he said the Holy Spirit is your teacher see if you if you struggle you you, you're trying to study your word and you say man I just can't understand and Lord I just can't get it yes the Holy Spirit teach me show me show me what your word is saying help help me understand this help me understand this because Jesus you always go back to the promise When you have a promise, find the promise. If you have a problem, find the promise that matches the problem. If you have a problem, find the promise that matches the problem. So here, I don't know, Lord, I'm trying to study your word. The promise is the Holy Spirit will teach me. Holy Spirit, Jesus promised that you teach me. Show me, make your word clear to me. Because the advantage that he talked about is to your advantage that I go because the Holy Spirit who will become and be your teacher. The next thing that's found in this same verse, your divine recall. Look what he says. He says he will bring back to your remembrance all the things that I've told you. He said, listen, you will have supernatural recall by the hand of the Holy Spirit. When I can't remember, Lord, bring it back to my mind. Bring it back to my remembrance. The key is this, though, people of God. Notice it says recall. I just want to be clear on this. He said to bring back to your remembrance. Notice this. He didn't say he's going to bring to your remembrance. He said he's going to bring back. That means that plan you have for sleeping with your Bible on your pillow in hopes that some of it will sink in, it ain't gonna work. You got to open it up. You got to spend some time in there. You got watch this. You have to memorize some verses. You have to get some word in your spirit because watch this. It cannot be brought back to your remembrance if it's not in your remembrance. You ever run into somebody at the store? You know, you know you don't know. Them. You you think you know them. They they they, they have a familiar looking face. You go, hey, your name, your name's Steve. Mm Mm-mm. No, it's David. (laughs) Oh, I thought your name was, well, it ain't, it's it's David. eh? Why? Because you never knew his name. So it can't come back to your mind who they were, right? You never knew them. The Lord cannot bring, the Holy Spirit cannot bring back to your remembrance what you did not put in your memories. You got to put it in there. Spend some time in the Word. Watch this now. It's a, double, it's a double blessing because he said, listen, you say, well, I don't read because I don't understand. He said, well, I'm here to teach you that. Well, you know what? I study, but I can't remember. I'm here to bring it back to your mind. That's a win-win, isn't it? He going to teach me the Word and bring it back to me. Whoa! That's why Jesus said it's to your advantage that I go because he'll come. He's going to teach you. He's going to give you divine recall. That's the second one, divine recall. The next one is he will dwell in you. Turn, if you would, to John 14 and 17. He's going to dwell in you. Come and take residence inside of you. Come and be your companion, your daily companion. This is important because, watch this now, this will help somebody today. You see, all this talk about the Holy Spirit, I don't understand all this, but watch this. Here's here's the reason why. He said, the the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. I need to pause and say this because I'm always about your soul's salvation. Jesus, the word of God says that the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Here they're talking about the the unbeliever, the the, the non-born again. When Jesus refers to the world, he's talking about the non-born again. He says, the world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him. See, here's what happens. In order for a person to be born again, the, 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 beginning, the, 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 the process of being born again is a work of the Holy Spirit. Because here's what happens. It is the Holy Spirit that actually convicts a man's heart to recognize that he's a sinner. So when Jesus talked about it, it can't see him because it doesn't know him, because they have not had the conviction of the Spirit and accepted that, asked for forgiveness, and been saved. Because anybody who feels a conviction of the Spirit, responds to it, resulting in its salvation, they know the Spirit. But notice he said that, that the world cannot receive him. Because here's what Paul said it's, it's in, in Romans chapter 8 verse 15, he says, he that has verse 9, Romans 8 verse 9, he that had not the spirit of Christ is not his. Please, please, people of God, I'm, I'm saying this and I'm saying this with all freedom and liberty because I don't, I, I, it's, my, it's not my responsibility for your salvation, but it's my responsibility to give you the word so you can be saved. That the truth of the matter is, it is your responsibility, your personal responsibility to know for a doubt that you have been born again. And the truth of the matter is if you don't feel the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in you, the word of God says that he is not there and you are not Jesus'. You may be a member of the sanctuary church, you may be a member of another church, you may be a member of the, of, of the Episcopal uh, the, the, uh, uh, diocese, you may have, you have risen the ranks. But he says if this, he that has not the spirit of Christ is not he is. Jesus has confirmed what Paul said because he says the world cannot receive him because it does not see him and does not know him. But he says, but you know him. He says, because for he dwells with you, he says, but, 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 but here in a few days, he's not just gonna be with you, he's gonna be in you. See, the Holy Spirit had always, we're gonna, we're gonna teach on this, I'm gonna, te- I'm gonna show you uh, how the Holy Spirit Uh, What God used the Holy Spirit in in the beginning, in the Old Testament, and how he used him in the New Testament. Just as a a precursor to that, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, he used, he he gave the Holy Spirit to people for specific purposes. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was released to be able to indwell in all men. So no longer God was going to just select certain people for a certain task and, and put the Spirit on them. He was going to allow for all those who would come to knowledge of the Christ and the salvation would, to then now have the Spirit in them. So Jesus says to your advantage because you won't just have me here. I'm not just going to be with you. When the Holy Spirit comes, I'm going to be also in you. To your advantage that I go. And then this next one, Here's the next one, uh, he, would, he testifies of Jesus. The next advantage of, the Holy, of, of why Jesus said that it was to our advantage that he go was because the Holy Spirit would testify of Jesus. Turn to John 15 and 26. I'm gonna help you with this because I have a little note that I need for you to, to write in your notes or to make the note in your mind and in your, in your conscience. After you're there, after we read this, this chapter 15, verse 26, I want to share this with you. Are we there? But when the helper comes... Whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Let me share this with you. Here's a note for you to write down. The Holy Spirit assures us that Jesus is who he said he is. The Holy Spirit, because of his testifying, his witness in us, it gives us an assurance that Jesus is who he said he is. Here's what happens oftentimes. When tragedy hits our life, we start to question God. Well, God, if you're God, then why this? If this, if this then this, then, uh, well, if God, if, if you, why would you do that, why, why, why did you allow that? If you didn't do it, then why'd you allow it? See, the Holy Spirit in us, because he testifies about Jesus even when our mind begins to try to wander down that path of doubt, he says, wait a minute, you know Jesus who he is, you know he saved you, you know what he's done in your life, this situation does not define God, this matter does not define God, everything that God has done is not defined in this incident because the Holy Spirit is there to testify. So here's what happens. You know, you don't remember testifying service? It's a have service. If you been, for those that have been in church a long time, uh, we don't do it as much anymore, but we do it sometimes on Tuesday night in Bible study. We'll just say, hey, any, anybody want to offer a, a praise report to the Lord? And so you stand up, and so somebody would stand up and say, first, giving on to God, Pastor, Saints, and Friends, giving an on to the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for saving my soul, thank you for making me whole. I, I, and after, after a litany of, of, of other little statements, they say, pray my strength in the Lord. Pray for me as I pray for you. And they sit down, right? Uh, oftentimes they don't testify in those testifying services, it get off track. You know, you get somebody up, they start telling stories. They start, because see, I was telling them that they should stay out of my face. And I had to pray because I was getting ready to fight. Well, there ain't no testimony. The, the testimony is about Jesus. Let's get to the Jesus part. Five stories later. Now, one more thing, Saints. I was on my was standing in line and this man he came up to me. And, you know, I'm a single woman, so I'll be careful about who come up to me. I said, I'm saved, I don't want I to want mess. I said, well, no testimony. You, you the testimony is about Jesus. So here's what happens. In the moment where doubt starts to attack my faith, the Holy Spirit stands up and first giving out to God. who is the creator of all things. The one who spoke into nothing and there was something. The one who hung the stars in the sky and named them all by name. The one who counted the hairs on your head today. He is the one who still is with you. And in the midst of my storm, in the midst of my trot, my soul cries out, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has testified in my spirit. I can't help myself. I got to, let me find a place I got to tell somebody. Why? Because he's testifying. He's bringing back to my remembrance what God has done. And in the midst of my sorrow, in the midst of my tears, in the midst of my trial, I find myself dancing before Jesus. I find myself weeping before him. I find myself thanking Jesus. When I was questioning, I'm thinking. So he says, it's to your advantage because when he comes, he's gonna be a testifier. I believe I'll testify. The Holy Spirit just waiting. You're discouraged, okay, let me testify. For giving honor to the Father, the Son, the creator, of all, the, the creator of all things, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last, The one who changeth not? The one who promised to never leave you nor forsake you? By the time he get done with the testimony, (laughs) something going on, you start to feel some kind of way. Because at that point you say, wait a minute. I know the Lord has been good. This I know, the Lord is for me. If the Lord is on my side. Because at that moment, you begin to realize you're not by yourself. Because of the testimony of the Holy Spirit. Now this last one, I'm done. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away because your divine guide won't come. Divine guide. Turn to John 16 and 13, and then we're done. Here he says in, in this, this, this uh, 13th verse of chapter 16, he says, However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come. He says the Holy Spirit will come, he'll be your guide. One of the things that, that we struggle with so much in our society today, we even, there, is, there are those who even question the direction of our, of our, of our uh, leader, our elected leader of this country, uh, that we, 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 everyone's needing some guidance, direction to know how to navigate through the complexities of life. There's all kinds of emotions, there's all kinds of, of uh, voices that we hear, there's all kinds of influences in the world, there are things that, that are being said and done all the time. You can't even watch a movie now without some type of agenda being pushed upon you. You can't watch a commercial without some kind of agenda being pushed upon you. You can't, uh, your children can't watch cartoons, you can't watch a Disney or, or a Nickelodeon movie without something being pushed upon you. If you're watching a, a, a sporting event, the commercials in between the events are pushing messages upon you. So the one thing that we, 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 we struggle with be, is finding guidance in all of the murk of the things that influence in our, our ideas, our thinking. See, the truth of the matter is oftentimes even in our parenting, we're, we're, we're being influenced on how to parent, not by the word of God, but by the messages that are being portrayed. Oftentimes we feel pressured, uh, wives feel pressured to put certain type of uh, expectations on their husbands because of what they've seen, what's been projected to them. Husbands have certain kind of expectations upon their wives that they're seeing because of certain projections that they've seen that have been influencing their thinks and thinking, their ideology. Children are struggling to understand who the, what their identity is because of what kind of influences that have been projected upon them. jesus says because of all of the things that can influence your life because of all the things that can derail your direction because here's the truth of the matter if if every good and perfect gift comes down from god then that means everything he guides us in will lead us to one of his perfect gifts but can we agree today that many of us have, have 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 partaken in taken upon a lot of things, a number of things over the course of our lives that have been detrimental to us. Can we agree to that? Can we say there have been a lot of things, a lot of decisions, a lot of places I've gone, a lot of people that I've allowed in my space that have taken me so far off course. Watch this now. And if God, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, those steps, when those steps are out of order, it then takes the timing out of order. Some things in our lives are way off timing-wise. Why? Because we did not get the Holy Spirit's guidance and then we had to take the long way around. I gave you this message a while ago. The GPS. The GPS on my, on, on my phone in your car, what it does is that it gives you the path that you're supposed to take. It maps it out and says, here's how you're supposed to go. What happens is if you miss the turn, it does something called reroute. The Holy Spirit is the GPS, the guide. See, He's the divine GPS. He's the one who says, Here's what God has mapped out for your life. The problem is when we ignore those directions, then it Takes us more time to get where we would have gotten, and sometimes we don't even make it there. <laughs> Let me help you. This here's what happened on the sabbatical. We were traveling down to Alabama, and so the GPS said to get off on Highway 59. I, highway 59 is, to me, was an obscure highway. So I told lady, I said. Uh, I think if I just keep going straight down 65 I'll get to Mobile and we'll be right where we need to be to go on over the Gulf Shore so the first time it rerouted I, I passed the exit it says turn right, turn right th-. then it was like reroute then it said turn right point three miles ahead Lady looked over at me, I just kept looking. <laughs> because at this point, here's what it's saying. The GPS says, at that point, we were less than an hour away from our destination. So it it after I passed on by the exit, it rerouted. Us. It says, okay, turn left in 1.3 miles. She looking over at me, I said, honey, I, 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 I'm pretty sure this is, this, this is going to work. <laughs> it said, this last one, Moore, because it was taking me all the way down to 19, back to 59. When I saw that it was, it was saying go back, it's still taking me back to 59, I said, I'm still going to pass it up. It said, 8.3 miles, take the next exit. 19, I rode right past it. Then at that point, it just said, look, just going down here. They said, you are now one hour and 45 minutes from your destination. It took me about 20 miles before I let her know. Because we, we were all weary, we were ready to be there that we're gonna be another hour and 45 minutes when it was saying 28 minutes, that's what it said. We were 28 minutes at 59, 28 minutes. I just added an hour and nearly 20 more minutes to my journey because I would not follow the directions that the GPS was telling me. And all I'm trying to get you to understand is that the Lord has given us his Holy Spirit to give us our guide, to be our GPS. And the problem is oftentimes we go past and he reroutes and try to still get us to the destination, but we drive past all of his rerouting and finally he said, just go ahead and take the long way around. go ahead and take the next 30 years to get there, 20 years or five years. It it would have have took six months, but now it's going to take you four years to get there. Because you won't just stop and let me guide you like I've been given to you to do. He says the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will help you. He's a helper. He will guide you. Sometimes when God says, that ain't it, that's not the turn to make, we still make it, and then we suffer. We take longer to get there. But watch this now. Here's how this grace works. Once we got down to Mobile, it started rerouting again. I said, oh, we got down there. And then they started taking us to some places that I thought maybe the GPS and it had rerouted itself out of the route. Because it had us to pull off, drive down, it said turn right on Cornell, and we all back down in the neighborhood and turning back behind buildings. I was like, oh, but I'm in it now, I don't know where I'm at, so I got to stick with it. Rerouted and gave me a shortcut. Even in the midst. Even in the midst of my disobedience, it gave me a shortcut through my long way around. Because here's what Jesus said: my grace is sufficient for you. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It rerouted and cut 20 minutes off the trip because it was the standby. Remember the great standby? It was just waiting for another route to come up. That's all I'm trying to get you to understand. This Holy Spirit is given to you as a gift. A precious, wonderful, loving, merciful gift. We so must acknowledge his presence. Acknowledge his value. Stop just running and doing it and saying, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me tell me, stop letting somebody push you into making a quick decision. Say something, no, I need some time. Here's what I'm going to help you understand. The Lord will never put you in a high-pressure situation to make a high-pressure decision based upon emotion because he will always give you a chance to consult him. If whatever it is does not give you a chance to seek the Lord on it, don't do it. It ain't him. You must say, okay, Lord, show me. They're calling and said, make, make a decision today. But I haven't heard from you. I don't, I don't believe, I, I don't have an inner witness that you, what you want me to do. You haven't made my way clear. Your word says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I don't see the steps here. Because you know what he will do? He will always let you know he's there. He reveals his hand. I, I'll, I'll say this testimony. I, I told it two years ago. I'll tell it now. We, we, the Lord had put impressed upon our heart to sew our car and give it away to someone and be a blessing to them. My truck. We just paid it off. We were happy, excited. We had one salary. My wife was home. We just uh, don't, don't have two salaries anymore. We were glad to pay the car off. And the Lord said, give it away. I said, wait a minute. I oh, know, Jesus. Now I mean this. <laughs> this is, is an infinity QX 56, I mean. You, we didn't have paid it off. we happy to just be riding. She said, give it away. It's okay, um, all right, Lord, we're gonna do that. I uh, told my wife, we came into agreement. We purpose to do it. We did, so here's what happened. We, right, right as we were giving it away, here's how you need to know, the Lord's always with you. Right as we get getting ready to get away, the other car broke down. The sob. we had the sob. We had, it, it went, it, it, I'm right on high, we just started slowing down. As matter of fact, Lady Tom was following me so we can go, look, and I, and I, I, she, I signaled that, hey, Pull over! Something ain't right here. We had to get a towed from the highway to the dealership. So we called the man. Called back. He said, "Listen, um, Mr. Martin, I know that's, the, the car. Uh, it, it was another car we had paid off. So we, we didn't have no note. We were happy. We had no note. We have no car notes. Praise God!" Woo. So we're sitting there. We said, "Wait a minute!" So they call us and said, "It's gonna cost six thousand dollars to fix it." I said, sir, uh, thank you for the diagnosis. I'm gonna come and pay for that. So at that point, we had to figure out what we're gonna do. We called the junkyard. They said, they'll come to the lot, pick it up. Just meet them out there, give them the title. I meet them out there, give them the title. They gave us uh, $300 and four. So I'm I'm driving. We said, we're down to one car, and the car we're in is the one we're supposed to give away. I said, Lord, okay, you got to show us. So we drove out to the car lot. We're sitting there, and the lady the car, we had looked online, we went out there, we stand there, the lady telling us this car, I said, okay, she said, well, that's already sold, that's got a hold on, I said, well, man, she said, what are you guys going to do, I said, we're going to go over to, to, to uh, that, that uh, pizza hut and have some pizza, so you guys still want to get a car, I said, we're going to go over to the pizza hut, have some pizza, so we got the babies, we go over, we have some pizza, I'm sitting there praying, I said, Lord, now, you told us to, to do this, and so we're going to trust you in that, it doesn't make sense. We won't trust you. So we go back over to the lot. We're sitting there, so we look at the, at the, at the, the, the truck we have now, the, another QX56, upgraded model. We're looking at it, we say, okay. She said, well, I said, that price, that's too high, we just don't wanna pay that much. So what would you pay? I said, here's what we wanna pay. and what, The price we gave her was the, the um, the asking price with no taxes, no fees, but that price. The price is on the window that we pay nothing more than what's, what's there. She says, oh, I'm gonna talk to my manager. She went in there, so we're just sitting there. A, a, a young man walked up that I've been the minister two years ago, came up, started talking to him, we sat there talking. She came back out, she's trying to, trying to get my attention to tell us that the, that the, that the manager said no to that. So, so I said, well, hold on for a second. She said, well, he said no to that, I said, well, I said, let me just say this. We're not haggling with you. We just, it's just, we, we, we have a specific budget and we just need to. She went back in the building and here's when the Lord showed us that, she, that he was there. She came back, she said, here's what I'm gonna do. I asked my manager, can I give up part of my commission to get the price down to what you want? I said, honey, go get the papers. Because that's God. She's not there to sell cars because she like it. She's here to make money. And the fact that she says she's going to give up all of her commission, is the Lord okay? When it was all said and done, watch this now. When it was all said and done, when they got done cutting everything out, the car was less than the, the, the number on the window. I'm not saying that the boats are both only in the Lord, but I'm saying this to you. The Lord will give you a chance to seek him. I don't want you to miss my point. He'll give you an opportunity to seek him. The whole time we're walking slow, we need a car, we know we need one, but we're saying, Lord, we want what you're doing. He'll never put you in that position where you got to rush and anxiously make a choice. Why? Because he gave the Holy Spirit to be your guide. Stand to your feet.